0: Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive,
1: global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. I started this group in the midst of the pandemic when I realized how many of us in this industry across the world were looking for pivots and next steps. I know when I started my career, I wanted more mentors and I needed more people to lean on and to learn from. So I hope you will listen to our stories and learn from them. Every Tuesday, we'll have a member interviewing another member, and on Thursday, they'll reverse. So stay tuned for the next episode, and be sure to hear both sides of the story. Thanks for being here.
0: Hi, my name is Alicia Skian, and I am speaking with Kalika Abrams today. I'm really excited to talk with her and learn more about her career story. Hi, Kalika. Hi, Alicia.
1: Um, I am so happy to be with be here with you too um, and be speaking to you. Uh so yeah, let me get started. Yeah,
0: I'm, tell us where where you're from and where you're at. And yeah.
1: As you just heard, I'm Kalika Abrams. Um, I've been working in the retail fashion industry for 18 years. Uh, starting off as a sales consultant and working my way up to most recently director of visual merchandising and creative director. And I'm also a newly minted business owner um, and co-founder.
0: So exciting.
1: And, yes. Um, and I've been living in Los Angeles for the last 15 years.
0: Amazing. Um, so you've been living in Los Angeles for the last 15 years. Where are you from? How did you? How did your story start?
1: So originally, I'm from New York, born and raised kind of by way of Atlanta and by way of Detroit. I'm a performer's kid. My mom was a, or is a singer, dancer, actress. She's performed on Broadway. So um, my childhood was unconventional, pretty much to say the least. Uh, we moved around a lot. And so there was a lot of doing homework and projects backstage or at her rehearsals. I went to about seven different schools before 10th grade.
0: Wow. And so you're always the new kid.
1: I was. I was. Um, some of the some of the moving was intentional and some of it wasn't. Uh, there were times that, you know, we ended up staying in shelters or sleeping in our car and there was even a time where we stayed or slept on the South Ferry boat. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, there's just some crazy stories I could tell. But I mean, um, by the time I was in middle school and kind of transitioning to high school, we moved out of the city, got a little bit more stable um, and moved to Long Island. But it's actually where we encountered racism, Mm. which living in the city, you know, you wouldn't associate with New York. Um, to put it in perspective, my sister's first grade of kindergarten was basically going onto the school bus and being called Black Dog and being spit on.
0: That's so terrible. So,
1: yeah, it is. I wouldn't want any child to start off school that way. So ultimately, my mom had to make the decision to take us out of school and homeschool us, which was really difficult. Um I remember feeling like I was being punished because of someone else's actions, because all I knew was going to school and interacting with everyone. But at the same time, I was old enough to understand her decision of why she did that.
0: How old were you when you um, started homeschooling?
1: I was about 14, 15.
0: Oh, so like you're-
1: High school years like. Yeah, like we it, when we first experienced that, um I was still in middle school and we end up moving to another district and we tried that other school district, but it pretty much was just the same overall tones um, of racism. So officially by pretty much the middle of ninth grade, I was homeschooling.
0: What was that like
1: homeschooling? Well, I it was. It was very important that I took the onus of my education and curriculum upon myself, and bless my mom, but she wasn't going to be much help when it came to chemistry and trigonometry. So, um, and you know what? Also, there wasn't many high schooling uh, homeschoolers, so there wasn't many people for me to interact with. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't my, it wasn't what I w- would describe as the greatest experience, mm-hmm. but I am a bit of an introvert anyway. So it, that was helpful for me to, you know, kind of get in my own world, go to the library every day, check out videos and get CDs and do a lot of self-teaching. Mm-hmm. By the time I was a senior in high school, we moved to Detroit, which is my mom's hometown. And homeschooling still wasn't quite mainstream there or then. So I knew it would be kind of a challenge to get into college, or it could be at least. I decided to apply to Wayne State University, majoring in pre-med and that's completely different than fashion, but I should note that my mom was a certified phlebotomist, which wow. is drawing blood, and that's probably where I get this like creative but you know pre med thing kind of going the on. Sides here. of the spectrum, <laughs> yes, exactly. And also, I really do love math and science and formulas and kind of you know knowing the ins and outs behind things so. I end up researching the president of the university and finding out that he had previously worked for a school that accepted homeschoolers. And I emailed him, requested a meeting. He accepted. I gathered all my projects, reports, anything that I could gather to prove that I deserved to be in college. Went and met with him. And he was more than understanding, and, you know, sending email to admissions and got me enrolled. And thinking back on it, I probably didn't need all that stuff that I brought with me, but I was just determined. And I, I kind of wasn't going to take no for an answer. Wow. My, yeah. my. So my freshman year of college, I quickly figured out that pre-med was not for me. And I didn't feel as passionate about it as when I entered college. And I remember sitting down talking to a career counselor. She was just asking me what I would do with my downtime. And I told her, you know, I draw and I sew. And I've been doing that for as long as I can remember, you know, asking my mom for old pillowcases or telling her, like, I don't want this T-shirt anymore. Can I cut it up and sew clothes for my dolls? Uh, But at the same time, it never really occurred to me that I could have a career in fashion and looking back on it and looking back at my experiences, I didn't have normal outings throughout high school. Like I kind of said, being homeschooled. So I wasn't at the mall with my friends or, you know, going shopping with my family. Most of our clothes were hand-me-downs or from thrift stores So I wasn't even aware of the fashion industry on just a basic consumer point of view. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So I didn't really look at it as something I could have a career in. I just knew that when I was drawing and sewing, I felt connected and I felt content in expressing myself that way.
0: So you spent your freshman year in pre-med and then
1: you transferred out. Yes. Um I just the advisor didn't put any, you know, pressure on me. I just kind of thought about it and at the end of the year I changed my major and at the same time I knew I was ready to move out on my own. So I decided to move to Atlanta and enroll myself in college and decided to pursue a degree in fashion design and marketing.
0: Amazing. Did you yeah. I wanted to ask a question about pre-med. Versus design school, were there any unexpected challenges that you encountered taking on this new um, course of study?
1: You know what? Actually, no, no. Like it was, it was a very easy transition. Um, I think the biggest thing that I had to do was when I moved to Atlanta. I decided to take a year off of school so I could qualify for in-state tuition. Okay. That was probably the biggest challenge, but no, um, the things that I loved and I felt passionate about, I was able to apply them to fashion. And when you're learning about making patterns, um, there's still, you know, a math element to it. There's still a formulaic, if that's a word, <laughs> um, thing to it that you just apply those skills. So, yeah. So it really it, was
0: like the right choice for you that you made. Like,
1: exactly. it felt it, so seamless. To yeah. It was a combination of the, the two worlds. It was almost like what my mom passed down to me. I was able to combine those two worlds together. Um, and I think that would even Further with getting into visual merchandising. So through college, I worked for Tommy Hilfiger, I worked for Club Monaco and Cells and as a visual assistant. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: and there I was always attracted to visual merchandising. It didn't matter if you asked me to fold something or install a vinyl or change a mannequin like I was just always attracted to it. Um And then I ended up
0: through school as well. Yes,
1: yes, I did. Because also moving out on my own, I was kind of determined to prove that I could support myself and do it on my own. So I worked during the day and went to school at night. And when I could, I would either do work study programs in college, like as on a a very part-time basis, or I would have do part-time work, um, on the weekends also in retail. So my schedule is completely filled up through college. Yeah. So then, um, I ended up at Burberry because I had a friend tell me that uh, she was leaving there and it was a sales job. And she said, you know, it's, it's not visual, but if you want to interview with a manager, I'll connect you guys. And We connected. I interviewed and got the job. And I remember the GM telling me, you know, you're the lowest person on the totem pole. So you're going to have to work all the Friday and Saturday nights. And it didn't matter to me because, like I was saying, I was working all the time or going to school anyway. But what she didn't tell me was that I was going to be working with her on those Friday and Saturday nights which was the best thing that could have ever happened because she taught me so much about selling, knowing your customer, establishing relationships. That was one of the first times that I got to learn the ins and outs of the way garments are made, why they're made in a certain way, why they have uh, a certain quality and why you should pay more for them. Mm -hmm. So after studying I guess you can call it that studying under her, you know, within that first year, I was the top client book at the store.
0: Amazing. Um,
1: and as I said, I always found some way to be involved in visuals. So our regional who had the East Coast would, you know, come, come to our store, update things. And I was always there helping him or trying to finish something for him. And when he was leaving, he said, you should interview for this position, which I was kind of blown away by because I didn't even like it felt that position felt so much bigger than me. But I was like, nope, I'm just going to go for it. And I applied and I got an interview in New York. And because I was already working for the company, they allowed me to fly there, work in the flagship store for a couple of days. Also, while I was interviewing but what no one also knew was that it was my senior year and I was trying to finish my senior collection and portfolio. Wow. So that's my, a lot of work. Exactly, exactly. Um, but that's, that's design school for you, you know? Um, yeah. So what do you do? Just pack your suitcase with your fabric and... And you're sewing, again. yeah, exactly. And carry on your sewing machine Put and it all
0: into the hotel room. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. So after we finished everything, I just go back to the hotel room and sew and sew and sew, and, sew and, sew and wake up the next morning and do it again. That's and amazing
0: because that really shows your determination to you know keep moving forward and to you know not not let anything get in the way, really.
1: Yes, yes. I was fully determined. And you know what? I again I saw that in my upbringing. Even though we had hard times, I had a mom who wouldn't give up on her dream no matter how many hard times she encountered. So I was pretty resolute in the same way. Um so yeah, after about 3 years with Burberry, I wanted a little bit more of a challenge. And I asked to be transferred with the company, but there was just so many delays going on with the store I wanted to be transferred to. And I just decided to up and move to LA. And I had a teacher who told me, you know, if anybody's ever in LA, look me up and you know, I'll be out there. And she had started a small line, and it was nice working with her and kind of getting my footy and footing in LA and learning the ins and outs of like the downtown garment district. Mm -hmm. But after, you know, soon after that reality set in, I'm like, okay, I really need to get a job. Mm -hmm. And I ended up um, going through a recruiter and having the opportunity to work at wet seal, which is opposite It's fast fashion. So it's opposite of luxury. And I wasn't quite into it at first But I was talking with a lady in HR and she was just telling me how she was from Nordstrom's and she had made the transition and she loved it. So I was like, okay, why not? Let me just try it. And you know what? I actually did love it. And it stretched my creativity beyond anything I thought at that time in my career. You know, working with luxury goods, everything is is very planned out for you. You have a designer, you have people who are thinking about the marketing and thinking about the brand image, and maybe you tweak a little bit here and there, but with fast fashion, depending on what region you have and what size your stores are and what layout you know, you're working with them. If you're a regional, you have many different layouts um, within that region and many different store volumes, and so you're constantly creating and you're constantly observing how that customer shops, what they shop for, and making those decisions real time in the store. Like a much
0: faster pace.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I you mean, have I to guess to be that's... really
0: nimble and just be able to be ready to react.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, And that became even more apparent and more true when I moved on to Agassi. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up having a friend tell me about, uh, kind of telling me about that job. She, she recommended to me that I go to an open house at 24 seven mm-hmm. and When I went there, they told me, you know, we don't have any visual merchandising jobs and they're super rare. So we'll just keep you posted. And a couple of days later, one of the account managers, she called me and she said, you know, there's a company that I forgot about because I've been working with them for two years and everyone I send to them, basically they reject. So sorry to tell you that up front, but um, no promises, but I can get you an interview. So I said, why not? I'll, I'll take the interview. Let's just see. And I had an interview with the owner and about five interviews after that. And I eventually got the job um, and working for them is definitely the highlight of my career. Original your owners, favorite part
0: of working for them.
1: Yeah. So original owners um, who had pretty much built the company from the ground. And I think if I remember the story correctly, they didn't know which way they wanted to go. They thought they wanted to have like a wig shop and they had done, you know, prom uh, prom dresses and tuxedos at one point in time. And then they transitioned into fast fashion. Yeah. But I really felt like when I was working at wet seal, I had so much more to offer, Mm -hmm. but maybe my voice wasn't being heard. Mm. So having the opportunity to, you know, work as closely as I had ever worked with an owner was exactly what I was looking for. So number one, that was my favorite part. And then number two, when I got the job and actually got in there, I didn't realize that I myself would be building everything from the ground up. Wow. There was about 20 stores. It was very mom and pop run. So everybody was kind of doing their own merchandising strategy and dressing mannequins the way they wanted to dress.
0: Did you have a small team at all? or?
1: Well, I had to do that too. So <laughs> were- it was pretty much you know, designing manuals and directive templates and the calendar for doing floor changes, windows, and then hiring a team. It really was, it, it basically felt like I took everything that I learned from those previous positions that I had and applied it to Agassi. Um, But you know what I will say was very important in doing that because you can, you can get so excited about an opportunity like that and run away with it. Mm -hmm. But I spent the first couple of months learning the customer and learning the merchandise, talking to the store team, partnering with everybody who I could in corporate. And I spent a lot of time traveling also. Um, We were constantly opening up stores, but in the time that I would be in the city opening up an, a new store, I would go to the older stores also and test new setups and look at the way customers are reacting to them, come back the next morning and, you know, see what was capitalized upon and then take those observations and report them back and make them standards for the company. So, like you said, it's fast paced and it's reacting in real time. Um, I also remember a situation where the owner called me into his office a couple of years after I'd been working there and I wasn't aware of this, but we had lost our director of construction and our procurement manager around the same time. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and said, it is you and me. And we have to figure out a way to handle all this because we still have 12 stores coming up. Wow. And for about six months, not only did I handle visual merchandising, but I handled construction, procurement, project management, shipping and logistics and travel, you you name it. Did um, you
0: feel that in picking up some of these additional tasks that you may not have been versed in that, that there was like a major learning curve that maybe
1: you weren't comfortable with? You know, there's always scary moments, but I really do believe in life that things are happening for you and not to you. Mm -hmm. And so the moment as a teenager when I had to take ownership for my learning and I had to decide how I was going to navigate and uh, make sure I stayed on track in order to graduate and get into college, it's kind of like that same thing comes back. So if he emails me and says, hey, we need a a demo permit for this new construction project in Brownsville, Texas. And you're like, what is going on? I have no idea what you're talking about. But you just become resourceful. And so I Googled, I called, I emailed, I got a courier, and I just did what I needed to do to get that permit on site so we could do what we needed to do. Um, And I, I think that, taking that type of initiative went very far for me and even the owner recognized that. So eventually I was promoted to creative director where I became more involved with buying e-commerce and marketing um, and had very much so, you know, control in partnership with our buying team, you know, our merchandising calendar when we were launching color stories, silhouettes, and just putting together collections that were going to be updated throughout the company in different regions. Um, and like I said, partnering with e-commerce and, you know, working on what our marketing strategy is going to be. And by that time, I was so comfortable with knowing the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really easy transition for me. That's so yeah.
0: You're really the go-to person for so many areas of the business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt that being there and it definitely was just a great moment. I never thought that I would have the capability of taking upon something like that and also just being in that position. So it was really satisfying.
0: It sounds like your path has been pretty linear and the steps all come together, but have you ever had a job that you realized was completely wrong for you, not a fit for you?
1: Yeah, actually, when I was um, about 19, I worked at an art museum. And I loved working there because I love working with the people. And there was a lot of older people who would volunteer um, at the museum. And I had loved that aspect of it. But I wasn't so much into the art like If you don't give me some sort of audio tour or docent to explain it to me, I get a little lost. Um, But that was a good experience for me because it was also the first time that I asked for a promotion and had one of my managers actually tell me that she loved to give me the promotion, but she needs me to dress better. That was her feedback to me. Um, But it was very important a very important lesson for me to understand that my brand was connected to my appearance and, you know, not in a fickle surface way, but I had to represent what I was looking to step up to. Um, and I'm, I'm glad for that lesson, but the Heart Museum wasn't quite for me.
0: <laughs> well, that is great that you were able to take away that lesson. I think that translates into to any any role especially in fashion where you are encouraged to express yourself. So after your seasoned career in visual merchandising, what is next for you?
1: Well, as I was saying before, I am a newly minted business owner. Um, I've started a styling and kind of personal brand imaging business with a partner of mine who I used to work with. Mm -hmm. And we are looking to kind of bring personal styling to professionals in any industry. And the company is called Curated LA. And so we're looking to curate people's style and their personal brand. And we feel strongly about encouraging sustainability by you know, highlighting smaller brands and newer designers, um, and we kind of want to meet people where they are. So we don't want to fully push sustainability on anyone, but we want to encourage people to reduce their overconsumption. And we feel like we can do that by helping them find their style and buy pieces that they're gonna love for a long time,
0: and probably help them like stay within their comfort zone, but stretch a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's what's on the new horizon for me.
0: That is so exciting. I wish you so much success. It sounds really awesome.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. It's scary, but it's it's so exciting. Well,
0: I mean, if it doesn't hurt a little bit, right? You know, that's, that's <laughs> the thing with exciting ventures. I mean. Well, thank you so much, Kalika, for sharing your career story, and we wish you all the best with your new business venture.
1: Thank you so much for speaking with me, Alicia. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for being here for the Colab podcast every week, a new career story, follow us on Instagram and all social media channels at join the Colab
0: or Kher consulting and join us so you can record your own story.